This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Every Friday here in Power Business, the Express Edition, Madiba Kavaza joins us with the weekly tech wrap. We unpack news from the technology sector, the ICT sector, um, the media sector, all of it, a very robust industry with some sort of thing happening at any given point. Madiba, good evening to you. Thank you for your time. Good evening, Nantando. All right, Madiba, let's get right into it, into this week's uh, talking uh, points. Maybe I should ask you how you are first. I love good, well, and thriving. Yeah. <laughs> That's normally how it is with you. Let's start about uh, talking about, I guess, one I raised, and I really wanted to get your thoughts on it, uh, but also, you know, uh, to get the listener in on this one, the state of South Africa's newsroom and media houses. This one is, uh, it's obviously, you know, close to some of our hearts because it's literally, <laughs> you know, here we are. Uh, but uh, it's been a tough one. Um, one of the things that I haven't been able to ascertain right now is some of the more is like a 2024 stat. Uh, but one of the stats that I like to quote to sort of show people where we are is a number that I remember we engaged with Sanef um, 2020. Uh, it's one of those things that has stuck with me, um, you know, to this day. Sanef at the time was telling us that in 2010, around 2010, uh, there were roughly 10,000 professionals that were in the newsroom in 2010. But by 2019, uh, that number had dropped to 4,500 to sort of show you the level of attrition. Um, that's the word I'm going to use. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> To show you the level of attrition in just a decade, right? And this was... Um, and I remember Sanef as we were getting into COVID-19. So you can almost bet that those numbers are far worse uh, than uh, what they were at the time. Two big things, you know, being the fact that we've had a lot of media houses that closed. I remember when uh, Kanyit Lomo closed down Dalo Media, um, I, that was something that I covered. I, it, was, it was such a sad thing to see. Um, you know, happening at the time. Um, we know that um, the 24 stable, uh, Media 24, um, they pulled the trigger on closing a whole bunch of old print titles back in the day, um, you know, and they continue to sell off a number of community um, community publications as well. You know, we've seen, uh, we've seen retrenchments, um, you know, from the arena stable. Arena is probably one of the bigger newsrooms in the country. Um, we've seen a scaling down with, when it comes to the Mail and Guardian group. Uh, we've seen, you know, some mess that's going on uh, when it comes to independent. Um, I think um, in the last couple of uh, weeks, we've we've seen a little bit of a shakeup happening at Newsroom Africa. Um, and obviously the SABC, you know, continues to be the perennial, you know, uh, tough one, <laughs> you know, that we that we're dealing with, I believe, you know, they're about to have a new CEO or mm -hmm. something like that, you know, very soon. So across the sector, um, you know, whether you're talking, you know, uh, private houses, big houses, probably the biggest, uh, you know, from a from a profitability and revenue point of view, your biggest media house in South Africa is multi-choice. Um, you know, they make way more money than anyone else. Uh, and they are one of the one of the few that actually has like a proper pay structure, you know, because you, you almost get nothing for free 
out mm. of out of uh, what you call the sort of multi choice mm-hmm. whereas with um, you know whereas with some of the others there's a mix of you know free content and premium content um, a lot of your 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 writing you know side of things is using that radio is considered quote unquote free uh, but I actually argue to say that anything that has consumers having to sit through ads is not for free. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Yeah, so um you know that's that, that's that's my argument. So it's it's a very tough spot uh that media houses find themselves in, but one of the big cases, you know, that I would say is at least from a business point of view, it's in media, it's in businesses um best interests to have a healthy you know, media sector, because one of the things that's happening is something called juniorization of newsrooms, Mm. where basically a lot of your experienced professionals are leaving, you know, or have been retrenched, whatever the case is. And uh, and in certain cases, because of cost cutting, you get rid of the experienced, uh, you know, high paid people, and then you bring in junior people at lower salaries. But those uh, those juniors, it's good to have fresh energy, but that fresh energy also comes with a certain level of naivete um, that, you know, if we're just going to be honest, it is what it is. And if you're a company and you and you want the best people reporting, <laughs> you know, on, on, you know, on behalf of either on behalf of your company or about your company. Right. Um, because that is one of the ways in which companies are able to get their message across to, you know, investors, shareholders and the like. If you have, you know, a media sector in the middle here inexperienced people don't know what they're doing then it's going to be a very tough one to actually get people that fully understand your company and report accurately and that's when you end up having you know things fake news uh world economic forum spoke about how disinformation and misinformation is going to be a huge thing uh this year especially with things like ai and i think having a robust sector in the middle um you know is meant to be one of those things that's how meant to help to safeguard um you know all of that I mean, it's an interesting one, Madhu, and I think, uh, you know, the top of my head, there are quite a few uh, things that play into this. And maybe the first one is uh, what social media has done to mm. revenues that used to flow to media houses. Uh, yeah. People can, you can actually go onto Facebook and put through an advert for uh, 200 bucks, you know, yeah. and that's something that's very hard to compete with. And I wonder if our government should have been more involved in that, you know, of course, there is a need to compete, but there's also a need to look at what's happening at home uh, and to safeguard certain things. And the second one is South Africans just aren't willing to pay for news. It's a very interesting <laughs> phenomenon, uh, yeah. but it's just not something we're willing to do. And I guess it's because you, you can get it on TV, you can get it on radio, which is yeah. all free. But a big part of it, I think also, which I think is a bit uh, worrisome, is um, reading and that kind of leaving our society as a whole. Uh, and then there's journalism as the fourth estate. I think you mentioned this, but democracies don't work without uh, yeah, you know yeah. good journalism. They really don't. And it's an mm. important uh, part of keeping media houses and the newsrooms going. And last thing, which I think in South Africa happened, uh, was the polarization of media, right? Mm. Um, These ones being seen to lean this way and those ones are being seen to lean that way and the distrust of media as a whole. Uh, But all in all, Madiwa, I think we're in trouble. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I think on everything you've just said, I'll pick up on two points. Polarization on its own, I don't think is a bad thing because if you look at a... A, a developed country like the United States, for example, right? You, yeah, you have, you know, yeah, I think Fox and CNN are a good example of this. And you can see that polarization across print, you know, across radio, across, um, you know, uh, across uh, television as well, right? But 
that polarized media still well funded. I don't know. I yeah, yeah. Yeah. So whichever way we, 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 we like to slice it, at least there's funding that's going, you know, to, to towards that. Does it create echo chambers? Probably. Um, you know, is there some danger on that side? Most definitely. But at least you have a robust media that is uh, well-funded. They do go through, you know, some of the same challenges I heard about. I think the LA Times, you know, recently, you know, so it's not all rosy. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're all struggling with, you know, digital, all that. Last, uh, second thing is um, you talk about government. I think you and I spoke in the second half of last year about Mm -hmm. the fact that um, it should be the Competition Commission is launching a an inquiry into the impact of digital on traditional newsrooms mm-hmm. and what that impact is. I wish they had done this like 10 years ago. Absolutely. Like would have this saved, is would have saved our newsrooms. Yeah, it would it if I'm going to be honest, depending on how it goes because once again it's an inquiry, right? Mm-hmm. And these inquiries take years um you know traditionally to actually um, you know, come out with the, you go through the hearings, uh, there's a report writing process, they present the report, and then from there we decide, are we going to, you know, institute any reforms, laws, amendments, that type of thing. That's a lengthy process, right? And it's like, what are we doing today, All right? That's one. Two is the fact that um, it's just a stat, another stat. Uh, I'm not sure where this one sits now. Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 more... But uh, but Vids Journalism, you know, keeps track of this and they estimated once again, 2020, 2021, that between Facebook and Google, this was before they were al- Alphabet and Meta, mm. um, who had uh, taken up at that time, they were taking up 60 percent of all advertising revenue, you know, in South Africa. This is not a. Uh, a global study this is a south africa study so if you think about it from that point of view to your point about social media and all of that stuff it's likely that you know some of those numbers are even more now it's 1844 on power of business in studio i'm joined by modiwa kavaza who's tech correspondent for business today when wrapping all things ict media uh, tech and next modiwa let's talk about uh, mobile data price hikes mm. and i mean Actually, you, you you tell us what this means. <laughs> so this one was uh, some some research uh, that came out from our friends over at uh, African Analysis. African Analysis is a uh, you know well experienced um, ICT research firm here in South Africa, um, and you know they have the likes of Adobe Pata, they have the likes of Offense Dazela, mm. and he's the one you know Offense who came out who was doing this analysis, and uh, he told us uh, recently that uh, you know um, the first thing that he mentions is that there has been huge movement on data price uh, cuts over the last uh, you know decade and a half they actually have a measure where they've been uh, tracking a couple of um, you know po- uh, popular data bundles mm-hmm. specifically 100 megabytes 250 megabytes 500 megabytes 1 gig 2 gig 5 gigs and 10 gigs okay. um, since 2005 mm-hmm. and according to you know their data they said that uh, by December 2025, the overall median price per gigabyte of these bundles I've just spoken about had actually declined by 88%. So there's been, you know, huge movement, um, you know, on that particular front. And he said uh, over the last, during that period, there have been three uh, major, you know, 
price cuts that have happened um, between 2005 and 2011. Uh, the medium rate uh, for for a gigabyte declined by uh, declined by 61.9 percent. This is when 3G arrived. The second one took place between 2012 and 2019 uh, with uh, the advent of LTE. Um, and then he said the advent of LTE and that take up spurred price-based competition, uh, which, uh, you know, paved the way for price cuts during that seven-year period. And then he said, right now, we are in a third uh, cutting cycle that has been driven uh, by, um, you know, the action that we saw by the Competition Commission um, at the start of COVID, where they um, said that uh, the price of data must drop. But now the problem is, Spectrum, which was meant to come around during this cycle and it came in 2022, was meant to help to drop down the cost of data. And the reason why it was meant to help is basically because there hadn't been Spectrum given out since 2004-2005, the mobile operators were using existing spectrum to push out 3g 4g you know on spe- uh inefficiently you know basically on spectrum that it wasn't really meant to you know be doing that with um so the promise was get spectrum you'll be able to deliver data you know faster cheaper and more efficiently and you know hence you have uh, possible price cuts now he was saying you know south africans need to prepare themselves for price increases on data, mainly because in the last couple of years uh, since that spectrum was given out, we're dealing with an interest rate and inflation crisis, one. Two, we are dealing with the fact that uh, the consumer on the whole just doesn't have as much money on their hand, right? So what is that? What, what does that do? It means that, you know, um, some of these things, you know, there's less spending for consumers, Mobile operators are consumer-facing businesses. So if the consumer isn't healthy, then they are at risk. And then the third factor he talks about is obviously load shedding uh, because we know all the stats now um, between telecom. I think last week we were talking about all the people arrested at telecom because of vandalism and all of that stuff, Um, the generators, the solar power, all of that stuff to keep uh, the lights on at all the, you know, network towers across the country because, had there been power, you wouldn't need to, you know, do that um, in the first place. So all he was just saying is all of this stuff is working to a point where mobile operators have been absorbing the costs. And he's like, at some point, something's going to have to give. And it's likely that, you know, we're not solving load shading anytime soon. Inflation and interest rates are still here with us. The consumer is still, you know, under considerable pressure. You're looking at me very skeptically right I, I, now. Because I want to ask you how much a gigabyte <laughs> of data is uh, that uh, MTN might charge in Nigeria and how much Vodacom may charge in another territory. And I'm yeah. asking this because traditionally we've actually uh, looked at these numbers and seen that South Africans are being overcharged yeah, already, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, so for me, what also doesn't make sense, Mudeo, um, is the fact that you would be able to go to Nigeria and see MTN being able to work their pricing there in a way that's more democratic yeah. or even the other territory trees uh vodacom the same yeah, way same and so way. if we do see uh you know data price in south africa increase when you're saying that the issue is <laughs> consumers are cash trapped and they are not able to buy around and round in circles we go round and round in circles we go and it it is a, it is a tough one um because you are literally seeing i'm just checking here if there's any if there isn't a factor that i th- that i forgot but you know you are seeing all of these things you know happening and for now the mobile operators have chosen to absorb 
um, you know, they've chosen to absorb the cost. One just hopes that we can solve some of the issues along the way, particularly uh, things like load shedding. At least when an MTN goes into Nigeria, right, they get into that market knowing that the national power utility is not going to give us power. So when we are designing our network, we are designing all our sites with generators, with whatever we need to keep this thing going. I'd great. Now you have a country like South Africa where across the board, ESCOM promised these guys from 1994, we got you, right? You don't need any backup. And then suddenly now if you don't have backup, you know, what are you doing? Um, so it is a tough spot um, to be in. The what we wait, I think the key thing is how long do the mobile operators keep absorbing the cost? For now, that's that's the biggest you know, at what point do they reach a tipping point where they then say, okay, fine, we now want to push up. It's not the best uh, situation to be in at all, but I think right now that's the biggest, uh, what you call this. Logically, you would expect that they're going to do it, mm. but in this current environment, it would it, it, it's, it's a tough one to do. Mm -hmm. So it's likely that for the foreseeable future, they will continue to absorb these costs. And I mean, it's important, I think, at this point to uh, explicitly say that uh, they haven't said they are. This is a study report no, no, yeah, uh, that says that yeah, that's yeah. on the cards. And I really hope it isn't, Mudio. I think South Africans have really had to bear the brunt of ESCOM and uh, transit inefficiencies for a, a, in a lot of things. Uh, the cost just of energy or the the, the lack of energy, yeah. uh, you know, but also we've seen the food price inflation. And I think uh, an important thing maybe to even reflect on uh, today, the day after the State of the Nation address, is how much it's costing uh, you to be South African in this moment, to live here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, of course, there's costs that all people must uh, you know, uh, pay. Uh, it includes uh, food to eat and, um, mm. you know, roof over your head. But then on top of that, there's costs that are uh, being charged to us by inefficiencies. Um, and it's an important thing to note the day after the State of the Nation address. Definitely. Let's move on and speak about MTN because MTN is still one of my favorite companies because yeah, yeah. such exciting things happening there. Uh, you know, what used to be uh, Yebo Gogo, I think it was, was it back, was it Yebo Gogo MTN? I, I believe so, Yeah, yes. back in the day. Actually, you're right. Yeah, yeah, it was back in the day. Was that Vodacom? Vodacom was, the, Gogo. was every, Everywhere else. we go. Everywhere we go, yes. Everywhere we go. I mean, yes, what yes. was that back in the day yeah. is now turning into a very, very uh, interesting uh, fintech business. And we've seen MasterCard come in and make an investment there. Yeah, so this one is basically something that we spoke about uh, last year. Mm -hmm. It's once again uh, on the story of execution. Um, MTN said that the value of their fintech business wasn't reflected in their share price. They, you know, took it, they've sort of uh, carved it out as a separate entity. And now we have a valuation there. And that valuation has now been crystallized uh, by uh, the MasterCard investment. MasterCard coming in and giving $200 million, which is roughly 4 billion rand for a roughly 4 or so percent stake um, in the business because uh, it had been valued at 5.2 billion or just about 100 billion rand. I was thinking about it the other day because of all this multi-choice stuff that we're talking about. Mm. To say that just the fintech business mm -hmm. at MTN is more than double the size of multi-choice. That, that is crazy. But anyway, crazy. I, I digress. Also, I think it's also crazy yeah. because I think I'm accurate if I say that maybe 15 years ago, this part of MTN didn't really exist. No. Yeah. No. Um, and 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 they they did get into it, you know, in the early 2010s. Uh, they brought mobile money 2012, if I remember correctly, together. Uh, around the same time that Vodacom tried to do Impesa, MTN also made its play on mobile money. But 
you know they it, it wasn't that much of a huge strategic drive and it didn't you know yield the results locally right but over the last i'm gonna call it five to six years they've really doubled down you know on that particular business and the fact that they've even gone so far as to now start attracting the outside investment you know opening up the platform you know getting all of these partners in um you know i think um you know every once in a while we do need to give credit where it's due so you know shout out I must ask you also, uh, you know, when we see uh, MasterCard coming in only taking 4%, it means mm. that there's quite a bit still. Like, who would come in, would you? Like Visa <laughs> couldn't come in because that's MasterCard's competitor. Or could they, for instance? Uh, of course, there's lots of room for various players. What kind of players? It would be amazing, I won't lie, if Visa was to come in and take a stake. Uh, simply because you then become, I don't know, the United Nations of fintech or something, <laughs> right? And, and I don't think the doors completely closed to a visa coming in. Um, there are a whole bunch of payments providers around the world that could possibly come in. MTN uh, says that they want to, they have about 30% that they're willing to get, to, to sell off uh, to outside investment. And right now, it means there's roughly just over 26% that's up for grabs. So who knows who comes in, you know. It could be a PayPal. It could be Square. It could be PayU. There's so many um, of these companies uh, that probably might it could even be Mukuru. Who knows who who it, uh, what you call this, uh, who it could be. But it would likely be an international company that's looking for an Africa play of some sort and they want to take advantage of MTN's um, distribution. You know, that's what I would be thinking. Exciting times indeed. Let's talk about multi-choice in Nigeria. Because, whew. Hey. Yes. And also what's happening with Canal Plus. Okay, cool. So let's let's do the tax thing first. So a couple of uh, years ago, it must have been... I'm thinking 2021, mm-hmm. uh, MultiChoice was hit with a, uh, yeah, they were hit with a a tax tax bill of 4.4 billion rand. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was a huge one for them. At the time, uh, Nigeria's Federal Inland Revenue Service um, imposed that, that bill, as I said, 2021. And they accused MultiChoice of skipping taxes and denying auditors um, access to their service. And then uh, at the time, the quantum of the tax bill exceeded um, its, uh, you know, its uh, market value because, you know, I, I misspoke just now. It was not 4.4 billion rand, it's 4.4 billion dollars, oh. right? Which at current market, because MultiChoice is roughly $2, $2.2 billion right now. So it means the tax bill would be sort of like twice their market oh. cap, which is, yeah, that. That's the type of thing that sings a business, hey? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, it, it's a uh, it's it's a tough one. This is a shakedown, Yeah, uh, it's a. At the time, that was the feeling, mm-hmm. and especially last year uh, when we saw Minister Minister Pando, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming out in support of rival. Um, not a rival, but, you know, a comrade in the ICT world that was MTN because of the tax bill they had in Ghana. You know, she actually had some, you know, strong words, um, you know, at the time uh, because she said that uh, the South African companies, you know, were facing difficulties ranging from unfavorable market conditions, inconsistent regulatory frameworks and inconsistent tax regimes. And she actually said this was leading to divestment uh, from African markets by major companies such as ShopRite, Game, Mr. Price, TFG, 
Woolworths, Tiger Brands, Cecil, um, Group 5, Marion Roberts, Metrofile, Telcom, Southern Sun, and Protea Group, right? These are just the companies, some of the companies mm. that she spoke about. Uh, tax issues, you know, MTN has had a whole bunch of those, Nigeria, Ghana, Vodacom, you know, had an issue in DRC last year, uh, MultiChoice, you know, facing this one in Nigeria. So there has been that feeling that multi- that multinationals are an easy place uh, for the cash-trapped governments to, to, to come in and get something. Um, yeah, so that's what uh, happened on the tax front. Last week, we spoke about Canal Plus. Yes. On Monday morning, uh, they, you know, promptly just said no. You know. Multi-choice. Yeah, multi-choice. Nah. Like, nah. Like, nah. <laughs> 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 They're like, nah. Um, the, they, they, they feel like at 105 rand a share, it was, it was undervalued, right? What I'm working on right now, uh, I still need to make sure that I get the data. It will be out on Monday morning. Mm. I'm working on a piece around, uh, we are seeing, you know, the share price creeping up of multi-choice. They are 97 now, right? Does it mean that the market expects that this deal is going to happen? Um, or do they, are they leaning into the narrative that multi-choice is saying to say that they're actually worth more? Uh, than what they're being cre- being given credit for. Uh, Multitrace's share price crashed last year. Let's just be honest yes, about that. Yes, like, that was a crash. Yeah, that was a proper crash because it went from 155 rand. That was the they hit an all time high at around March at 155, and they dropped all the way to 60. Right. Yeah. They, they, it means they fell more than uh, what you call this. Uh, yeah, but for more than 50%, it was a huge, um, you know, fall of their share price last year. And now they're creeping up. So you now wonder, is it creeping up because there's an offer on the table? Or is it creeping up because somewhere in the market people are, you know, believing things? One of the big reasons why people ha- haven't had confidence is investment market just wasn't happy with the fact that Multitrust is spending 3 billion rand on Showmax, mm-hmm. right? And it was like, you know... Do we trust that this Showmax thing? Because like we you should. said, you've said it time and time again that they have gone all in on mm-hmm. you know streaming. Uh, but at the same time, that all in also comes with all in risk. Yeah. You know, and that's some of the stuff that had been factored by the market. If the current share price is at 97 rand or around there, mm. the... Uh, the price of 105 seems completely inappropriate to me. I mean, also the closing uh, price on the JSE on the 31st of January. Yeah. But yesterday's price is not today's price. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Montetrace is probably going to now have to tell us whatever they are valued at. Right. If you're saying you've put it into the market that you're worth more, tell us how much. naturally everyone will be asking, okay, cool, how much? Like, what's your target price? And then you have to kind of stand on that. So let's see what they do and say. Well, Madiwa, always a pleasure having you with us. A fun chat there. That's how we wrap up uh, this Friday Express edition of A Power Business with Madiwa Kavaza and the Tech Wrap. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.